Welcome to episode 15 of the Soxer Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Faulkner. With me is the co-host of the show, Cody Collins. Cody, it's been a while. It has been way too long, but, you know, even though we just got a snowstorm up here in New England, Red Sox baseball is right around the corner, and I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. Um, joining us tonight is Ben Smith, um, making his Soxphere uh, podcast debut. Uh, Ben's a writer for our site, and he also has uh, an Instagram page, Red Sox Instagram page, Why Not Discuss. Ben, uh, do you want to take some time and talk about what you do over there? Um, sure. Basically, um, I started my page about a year ago. Just love talking Red Sox with people, and um, you know, it's been great so far. Been lucky enough to uh, join you guys as a writer on the website a little while ago, and I'm happy to finally be hopping on a podcast with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, even though it's the off season, I feel like we have a you know a lot to talk about. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this episode. Let's do it. All right, so the first topic we have on the list is just breaking down the slow and miserable off season so far. Um, it's been it's been bad. Like I thought last year, last off season was slow, but this is even worse. Like we have guys Machado, Harper, Keuchel, Kimbrel are still on the market. I kind of expected uh, Kimbrel and or not Kimbrel, Harper and Machado to take a while but i did not expect it to be this long so yeah it's just been did you guys ever see it taking this long to sign uh free agents not at all like honestly like you mentioned last year felt so painful because we all knew the inevitable was going to happen we knew we were going to end up signing jd martinez at some point but you know even before then you have the yankees out there acquiring stanton and all these other things that are like Okay, are we actually going to do something? And now it's, and now it's this off season, and we've retained Yavaldi and Pierce, which is great. And then there's literally been nothing else. It's just so painful. Like I was, before I hopped on here, I was watching Vandy and Virginia play baseball on Virginia or on the uh, MLB Network, and it's like on the bottom of the screen, it's got all the important moves for each team, and of course it's got. The Red Sox re-signed Steve Pierce. Red Sox re-signed Nathan Uvalde. And then the third move is that we signed Gorkis Hernandez to a minor league contract. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. This sucks. It, it, <laughs> it does. Uh, ben, did you expect it to take this long? Um, I mean, at least last year it seemed like, you know, there was some type of end in sight or there was some type of end goal um, when going through the offseason, you know, we were all waiting for that big move, whether it be J.D. Martinez uh, as a D.H. or maybe like a smaller signing. But this year, it's just been painful waiting for, you know, just hoping that uh, Dombrowski goes out and gives a major league deal to a reliever, which hasn't obviously happened yet. But um, it's just been incredibly painful watching all these guys fall off the market. Yeah, so that leads us right into the topic I wanted to discuss is... Um, is Dombrowski making the right move by not signing, you know, any relievers? He, I mean, it's obvious that if the Red Sox need to improve, they need to improve within their bullpen. Um, after losing guys, uh, Joe Kelly, Craig Kimbrell could potentially not come back. Um, and the the thing that just drives me insane right now is we're missing out on quality relievers that we could easily sign, like. They all are signing pretty, pretty low contracts that um, Dabrowski and the Red Sox could afford, but 
it just seems like the interest isn't there or he has, you know, other plans. Uh, Cody, I'll let you go first. Is Dombrowski making the right move or are you a little irritated as well? I mean, we are the defending World Series champions, so, you know, who am I as a podcaster to say Dave Dombrowski is doing the wrong thing? Obviously, he knows this organization better than anybody else. But at the same time, it feels like since last trade deadline, me and the rest of the Sox Sphere guys have been pumping out articles about, oh, man, the Red Sox need to go hop on this guy. Oh, maybe they should sign Kelvin Herrera. Maybe they should sign Andrew Miller. And, you know, we're even, like, scraping the barrel of content for trying to get all these, you know, right-handed ground ball specialists, the lefty specialists. It just feels like we're all just waiting for a move for somebody that we actually recognize. But, I mean, I'm with Ben. I know Ben's been an advocate of Xavier Cedeno. It's just like... You cannot tell me signing Cedeno and signing Brad Brock wouldn't have been an improvement over Heath Hembree and Brian Johnson or Heath Hembree and Bobby Pointer. So to me, it just feels like he's banking a little too heavily on internal improvements. But again, you know, who am I as a podcaster to just say, you know, Dave Dombrowski doesn't know what he's doing. But Ben, what are your thoughts on that? Um, obviously, it, with the highest payroll in the league, it's hard to call the guy deep. But at the same time, it's a bit frustrating from the fan perspective to, um, you know, we, we got a couple million left before we hit the second luxury tax threshold. And, um, you know, the bullpen's a huge weakness. And uh, there's guys out there who can instantly improve it, especially a guy I've been hooked on since uh, the trade deadline of last year was Xavier Cedeno, uh, lefty on the White Sox, who went to the, uh, the Brewers at last year's, I think it was the waiver deadline last year, actually. Um, but no, he's been a guy I've been a huge fan of. Um, I think he'd make a great, uh, addition to our bullpen. He's a lefty, which could help out. Um, you know, Johnson's not, you know, a pure reliever. He's more of like a starting pitcher, long relief type of guy. And then Pointer's still a question mark. And, uh, you know, Sedano's put together a few good seasons. He's a lefty, uh, high ground ball rate. Doesn't give up a lot of fly balls or home runs, which will play well in Fenway. And, you know, when I saw the Cubs sign up for 900K the other day, my stomach just, it hurt. It hurt because I wanted him so badly. I've been stuck on him for so long. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I I really, um, if you look into it, you know, Cedeno would have been a great, great signing. Uh, I just thought he would have fit well um, in the Red Sox bullpen. And when, like you said, last night when I saw that the Cubs signed him for that cheap, like, really? Like, we easily could have afforded that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it's just ridiculous. I, You know, I could see if these relievers are wanting, um, you know, a, a big contract or uh, even, you know, a decent amount of money and Dombrowski passing on him. But this is – that's 900K, like – that's pocket change for uh, an MLB team like the Red Sox, so I just I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. It seems like they've um, they've been relying a little bit too heavily on the Ryan Brazier effect or uh, the Ryan Brazier plan, as I've seen a couple people call it, where they're signing a bunch of guys to minor league deals and um, you know just hoping that one of them works out that they can bring up midseason. And I'm not really sure that's. Well, I could see how it would be beneficial. Obviously, a bunch of low-risk, high-reward moves that um, could possibly come up and help you out midway in the season. But um, I'm not sure if there's another guy out there like Ryan Brazier. I think that might be a a -a one-of-a-kind type situation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, But, Cody, what did you have to say? 
No, I was going to say I completely agree that, you know, it feels like we've caught lightning in a bottle once and Dombrowski's kind of expecting to do it again. So it's a little weird, and we'll get into the closer thing a little bit later. But uh, honestly, talking about the bullpen leads us right into the next topic, which is do either of you see Craig Kimbrell returning to the Red Sox, or at this point is it just a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign elsewhere? Ben, you can go first. Um, I, I was holding out a little bit hope early in the off season, hoping that, you know, Dombrowski talking him down is maybe just him trying to get the price down for Kimbrell, you know, letting it play out, see all these teams sign relievers and drop out, and hopefully it'll just fall right in the Red Sox lap. But at this point, I I don't see it happening at all. I think he's probably, if I had to guess, he's probably headed to Atlanta or maybe Philly, depending on who bids for him his market's been extremely quiet which is really surprising for a reliever of his caliber you know you've been hearing rumors about Machado and Harper but I don't really recall hearing much about Kimbrel, which is a bit surprising yeah it's it's weird um it obviously hurts him that he's in the free same free agency classes Harper and Machado and um some other top tier guys but you know he's he's one of the greatest relievers you know of all time as much as uh, Red Sox fans like to bash him for uh, last season. I I was one of those fans, um, but he's he's just good. And you know if he's still out on, there on the market, Dombrowski needs to you know make a move and get him if we don't have a closer. Um, but at this point, I think there's a chance that he returns to the Red Sox. But um, as as uh, as long as it takes, you know, it's my hope is uh, deteriorating, and it's I'm I'm during the day I always get Twitter notifications uh, from writers, and I always expect one to be Craig Kimbrell signs with Atlanta <laughs> or Craig Kimbrell signs with Philly to just like break my heart, but uh, you know at this point I would probably bet he doesn't, but I I still think there's a chance. What about you, Cody? It's it's just been a really weird offseason, like you guys mentioned, and just the whole Red Sox nation, you know, their perspective on Craig Kimbrell is just, honestly, it's borderline laughable because we forget how excited we were just a couple years ago when we found out the Red Sox got Craig Kimbrell. We're like, holy crap, this guy's the next best thing that we've had since Jonathan Papelbon. Like, he's the closest thing to a shutdown ninth inning guy that we have had in years, and here we are with people calling him greedy for wanting to get a once in a lifetime deal on the open market. I mean, the guy just won a world series title. I cannot blame him for then wanting to go out and get the contract of a lifetime while he can still get that sort of value. But at this point, you know, I think he needs to look himself in the mirror and go, okay, my, my market value is not where I would have anticipated it to be. Dombrowski hasn't ruled out signing Kimbrel, but at the same time, he's basically come out and said, Look, you're gonna drop. Your price is either gonna drop or you can go look for a job somewhere else. Which, honestly, I respect that because you don't want to overpay for a 30-year-old closer in this sense. Even though I honestly believe Craig Kimbrell is gonna end up in Cooperstown someday, but the reality is, you have Durbin Feltman, you have a bunch of young guys that have closer stuff, and you don't need to pay a six-year, hundred million-dollar deal for a closer, regardless of how good he is. So I understand waiting him out, but. At this point, I feel like the Red Sox have a shot to bring him back on a one-year deal. I mean, you hear it all the time in the NFL, that one-year prove-it deal, try to improve your stock and try 
the free agent market again. And I really think for as much as October gave Nathan Yavaldi and Steve Pierce a pay increase, Craig Kimbrell's market incredibly got thinner as October went on. I mean, we, we called him Cardiac Craig for a reason. As He got the job done, but at no point did you ever feel like the game was over when he came in. So I would love to see him back on a one-year deal. I don't think it happens, but I would love to see it anyways. Yeah, it, like you uh, like you said with the playoff stuff, I think that it's the same case with Yasmani Grandal with the yeah. one year deal with the Brewers. That that just jumped off to me at the top of my head because I mean you know, obviously struggles in the playoffs, and then mm-hmm. I think he signed just over uh, eighteen million for a one year deal, like a prove it type contract with the Brewers. That's something exactly. I could see Kimbrel signing if you know we're nearing the season and he still doesn't have a team. Yeah, and it's just like you said, Cody. Like we were. I think you and you and I were pretty big uh, cardiac Craig guys, and uh, you know when he came into the game during the postseason, I was you know worried. Um, so his postseason definitely uh, hurt his value, I feel, to like uh, front offices. And then after the like almost immediately after the Red Sox won the World Series, his agent uh, and Kimbrel were um, pitching the idea that Kimbrel's the best. Greatest closer of all time, which I don't know if that's the best move uh, after having the postseason that you had, but um, that's blasphemy. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 he is definitely going to be a Hall of Famer one day to me. But uh, you know, if if the Red Sox can get him back on a one year deal, I'm 100% on board with that. Um, but going on to the next topic, uh, kind of straying away from. Uh, off-season talk. I don't know if uh, any any of the listeners have heard, but WEEI has had quite the off-season. First, they let go, or Tim Tim Neverett left, I believe, for another uh, gig, and I enjoyed Neverett. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about him, but he left. Um, they had some there were some rumors going around that he uh WEI was going to do some weird type of like radio broadcast this season with her during games and uh, I didn't know what to expect and this past week they released their um personalities that were going to be uh on a, on the radio broadcast team this year uh and I was kind of surprised to see some of these names um obviously Castiglione um the two guys I did not expect to see on here, uh, Chris Berman, which like I I don't I do not know how W E E I got him, uh, and Mario and Pimba, which is the guy that got into a fight with his coworker like not too long ago, if I'm right, and um, Dave O'Brien, Tom Karen, Dale Arnold, Lou Maloney, Josh Lewin, and Sean Mc. I don't even know how to say his last name. Uh, McDonough. Yeah, McDonough. And I just, I love Merloni, but I am not a Tom Karen guy. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely hate Tom Karen for some reason. Um, maybe hate's a strong word, but I just do not like the guy. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on this whole um, deal? Uh, I'll jump in. Um you know, I don't listen to WEI too terribly much. I have 
the fortune of living in New England, so uh, Nesson is always on, so I can always just watch it uh, on TV. But when I do hear it, obviously, Joe Castiglione is a staple of Red Sox fans. I remember falling asleep to Red Sox games as a little kid and hearing Joe Castiglione. Uh, and honestly, I did like Tim Neverett quite a bit. Uh, I liked his voice. Uh, I liked Dave O'Brien when he was on there a couple years ago. Uh, I like Sean McDonough a lot. I think he's really good at what he does. Chris Berman is... I, I thought it was a joke, honestly, when I first read it. I did, too. I did, too. I, I like Chris Berman a lot. I He's one of my favorite, like, of those old ESPN guys, but I don't get it at all. I don't understand it. However, he'll definitely be entertaining with Castiglione. But oh, yeah. either way, it's that part seems more like a marketing ploy to try to get people to tune in when Berman's there. Uh I don't know. I, I'm indifferent, but I'm I'm tired of losing enjoyable Red Sox personalities out to the West. Like losing Obese or uh, not Obese, excuse me, Orsillo out to the Padres still hurts. One of my oh, yeah. all-time favorite broadcasters. Losing him uh, was a pain, and I like Neverett, so it kind of stinks. But at the same day, Joe Castiglione's there, and that always makes the broadcast uh, enjoyable. Ben, what about you? Um, the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned Berman was, didn't he used to do the home run derby calls? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back, 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 back. Yeah, that feels like it was, like, at least, like, five to ten years ago. I didn't even know, like, he still <laughs> was, like, did baseball at all. But um, go, going back to what you said about, you know, losing guys to the West Coast, um, I mean, we'll, we'll never get any Don and Jerry moments ever again, and that just breaks my heart. Every time I think about it, you know, those two were iconic in the booth together. And it just it, it sucks losing those iconic guys that, you know, you grow up listening to um, and you just you associate their voices with the Red Sox. And then, you know, they just kind of head out. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, during the season, I have MLB TV. That's how I watch all my Red Sox games. And I discovered the option to listen to the radio broadcast instead of the Nesson broadcast uh, during the games and I I do that um, probably more than I listen to if it's like Eck and Remy I tune into the Nesson uh, mm-hmm. broadcast but if it's you know anyone else I usually just uh, listen to Castiglione and just because Castiglione is like his voice is like so it's just I don't even know how to explain it. He's just so good, and I I hope we don't lose him uh, in the near future. But he's, if, he's so good, and he is. I, while you're talking about Ness and broadcasters, is there a worse duo than Dave O'Brien and Steve Lyons? Oh. To me, that is that is the most unwatchable Ness and games ever. Is when those two guys are doing it. I'm thankful that they. Fun. I'm I'm thankful that they have the mute button those nights. So bad. <laughs> Well, just give me Remy and uh, Eckersley in the booth every Please. game, and I'll be happy. Please. Yeah, it's it's like my dream uh, duo for like a game is probably Castiglione and Scully. Like Vince Scully has one <laughs> of the best voices ever. Uh, if Scully and Castiglione got into the booth together, uh, I don't know how I would react. I would probably you know be so jacked and. Oh, it'd just be awesome. Um, Castiglione's call on the Benatendi catch this year still makes me laugh out loud. Oh yeah, he yeah. falls out of his chair. That was just <laughs> that was amazing. I I hope 
My one hope is when Chris Berman gets on the broadcast, the first home run call he has, he uh, does the classic like back, 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 uh, home run derby call. Uh, that would be hilarious. Um, but um, before we get into the next, uh, jump to the next topic, um, I want you guys to hear from our latest sponsor um, from Anchor. So uh, here you guys go. All right, so um, one of the big storylines coming out of spring training so far um, is Dustin Pedroia and his uh, expectations for the season. I I don't know how I feel about this. I love Petey. Um, I want him to do well, but I just don't think he has a full season uh, left in the tank. I think injuries have ruined – I mean, not really ruined because he's you know had a pretty long career, but – um, just the surgery, you know, hurt his uh, hurt his chance of competing at a very high level like he used to again. But I just don't see him playing this full season out. I think he gets hurt um, midway through, or uh, some other injury occurs. But what do you guys think, Ben? You can go first. Um, well, I think uh, expecting a full season from Pedroia is. Um maybe a little bit optimistic at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there were, there were a few uh, reports the other day, I think it was from Dabrowski, actually, that they're expecting uh, somewhere between 100, 125 games. I don't have the report in front of me, but I think it was something to that effect. And um, that, that seems reasonable to me. You know, 125 with um, guys like Nunez, Hole, uh, Lynn, filling in the rest of those games. But um, all I got to say, if, if there's anyone that's going to do it, it's Pedroia. I mean, I... I'm looking at some of the quotes that his teammates are saying about him, and it has me so pumped to see him during spring training and during the season. You know, you got Chris Sale out here daring you to rule him out for the season. You know, he's texting Pedroia videos of him working out in his full uniform with the World Series patch on the side. You know, um, Brock Holt uh, talking about him, you know, texting and sending him videos of him working out and running every day. I mean, this dude's a complete psychopath, and I love him. Yeah, I, I've always loved Petey, but, um, you know, I'm hopeful that he can compete at a high level this this year, um, but I, I don't know what to expect. Cody, what do you have to say? I, I got to say, on a personal note, I love Dustin Pedroia, but what has ruined this comeback for me more than anything else, I swear to God, is that Twitter troll that every time somebody mentions that Dustin Pedroia is hurt or that he may not come back at 100%, there is that twitter troll that i don't know if either of you have seen that will pop right in your mentions and tell you you're wrong she's like oh it's gonna come back at 100 percent. you're all gonna see him like dude even dustin pedroia is knows he's not gonna come back at 100 percent. he is never gonna return to that 25 home run 75 to 80 rbis guys like that dustin pedroia is so long gone so on a little sidetrack i just have to say the whole comeback has been so painful to me just because it's so irritating to watch whoever that is just go at Red Sox fans. But either way, I, I may lose some followers over this one, but I am not a Patriots fan. I know Gabe knows that already. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. So I strongly respect Julian Edelman, but I do not like Julian Edelman. However, Julian Edelman is to the Patriots to what uh, is what Dustin Pedroia is to the Red Sox when he's healthy. He is that small dog syndrome guy high energy, in your face, max effort all the time. 
If you're a fan of the Red Sox, you love Dustin Pedroia. If you're a fan of anybody else, you probably hate Dustin Pedroia. So for that, I cannot wait to see PD. I absolutely love him as a player. It, honestly, it's the reason why he got himself hurt is because every time he's diving for balls in the hole, just making ridiculous defensive plays, always throwing his body out there. And as a result, you know, his body's just breaking down a little bit earlier than most do. So uh, I'm with you both. I think Pedroia is probably, you know, he, he's going to come back. He's probably going to play 100 to 125 games, but I, I just can't wait to see him, honestly. Yeah, I can't wait to see, like, the the home, like, the first home run he hits at Fenway. Uh, I bet he's, like, super jacked after that, and he's, you know, screaming and yelling. And that's what I love about him. Uh, if, if we can get a hundred games out of him, I would be thrilled, but, um, I'm just praying that nothing happens, no, um, knee injury stuff comes back up, um, but if, I'm just ready for Dustin Pedroia comeback season, that's all I gotta say. I'm right there with you. Um, all right, so we can transition into the next topic, which is predictions for the Red Sox starting rotation, so... I think we're probably all in unison that it's Chris Sale, Porcello, Price, Uvalde, and Erod. So the personnel is going to be there. But do you think there's a guy that's going to make a, a take a step forward? And uh, you know, is there another guy that might make a run? You know, maybe at a Cy Young award. Or do you think there's any other guys in the Red Sox organization that's going to be able to fill in with that uh, starting depth? Gabe, what do you think? Um, as far as starting pitching goes, uh. I don't think Stephen Wright makes the starting rotation. I think I think Coors already made that clear that he's he's planning on uh, Wright being in the bullpen. Um, Brian Johnson is the only guy that I can see uh, stepping up and having somewhat of a decent year, but even that's being quite optimistic. I do expect a big season out of Erod. So um, if I had to predict one of those guys to have a big season, it's Erod, and I do. I do want to say that Sale has a really big season as well. So um, those are my two guys that I'm certainly going to be watching for in the starting rotation. Ben, what about you? Uh, I have to agree with the Erod comment. I think out of all the guys, I think he's the guy to um, to look for to make the biggest step forward. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw pictures from spring training, but he looks huge. Like, <laughs> Cora said he's... Like, you know, everyone's in the best shape of their life during spring training, but, like, Erod's actually in the best shape of his entire life. Yeah. Like, the the dude looks amazing. And, um, you know, going back to his injury on last season, um, I remember uh, it was during he, – he'd had trouble um, going deep into games during that season. And then it's this game, he's uh, – I think it was, like, the fifth or the sixth inning, and he was, like – he had a really good pitch count, and he was like, you know, poised to go deep in the game. And then the injury happens, and you know, he he's on the bench for a while. But um, I think we're gonna really start to see him uh, be able to like manage his pitch as well, and uh, be able to get deeper in the games. And uh, I think we saw that a little bit in the World Series um, right before. Obviously, he gave up that uh, three-run home run to Puig, but up to that point, I mean, he he had he pitched an incredible game. So I think. Out of all the guys in the rotation, he's going to take the biggest step forward. But um, I got to say I won in the Cy Young this year. Um, I think when he's healthy, he's the best pitcher, if not, like, top two pitchers in the game. So I think um, at least I'm hoping uh, 
this is the year sales finally gonna bring home the trophy yeah i mean i completely agree uh i just wrote a piece a couple days ago about a couple breakout players to watch for and i had erod listed as i believe my number one guy um obviously he has all the tools to succeed he's got that plus fastball he's got a fantastic changeup, a nice little slider he has everything you'd look for in a top of the rotation guy uh for the red sox so i mean i think erod takes that step forward i will say it's going to be a breath of fresh air not to have to watch um drew pomeran's pitch honestly <laughs> i he was fantastic a couple years ago but last year he was just awful so i think the guy that honestly that hasn't been mentioned yet one of those uh very low risk high reward guys that ben mentioned earlier that i think he's going to give the red sox some innings this year is erasmo ramirez uh he's been that sixth seventh starter in rotations throughout his entire career he's one of those guys that hovers right around a four era in his career uh last year did not have a good season but he's that guy that if you run into uh, some injury trouble you throw him in and he'll eat five or six innings and probably give up three or four runs you know he's going to be there he's going to be that reliable depth we're not going to have to see drew pomeran's giving up seven runs in two innings having to make a spot start or brian johnson only going three innings and trying to piece something together uh, i think ramirez is going to be one of those guys that's a valuable signing that most red sox fans probably didn't pay attention to uh, but if you've paid attention uh, to the Rays, the Mariners, a couple of those teams that he's been on, he's been a quality arm, uh, nothing more than a depth guy, but I think he's definitely somebody that can fill in in the rotation when needed. So the next topic we have on the rundown is um, a big one. It's probably been the biggest storyline of the offseason so far. Um, who will be the closer for the Red Sox in 2019? Uh, it's... Dombrowski seems to uh, think he can fill that role from within. Um, I'll let you guys answer, then I'll give my thoughts. Uh, Cody, you can go first on this one. Okay, so I definitely think it's between – it's got to be Ryan Brazier or Matt Barnes. Um, past that, I, I'm really not sure. Um, I'm in the camp that I honestly feel like Brazier is bound for some regression. Um, he was one of those guys that had really good luck against balls and play. Um, and there were definitely situations that when the moment got a little big, he, he was shaky. Uh, he was fine in the postseason, but there were times where he showed just a little bit of nerves, which is something I'm not entirely comfortable with, though I will say if you put Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier next to one another, I think they're very similar, and to me, the reason why I'd go with Brazier is because I like strike throwers in the ninth. I cannot stand free passes. It's what I hate about Craig Kimbrell and Matt Barnes is notorious for walking people he he has that high k per nine um so he could easily strike out the side but he could easily put two guys right on right away and get himself into trouble um so i think it's probably i would go with brazier i found it really interesting that dave dombrowski repeatedly mentioned tyler thornburg if you've read any of his interviews to this point he's talked about barnes brazier uh i believe he mentioned stephen wright mm -hmm. he mentioned young guys and no it didn't specify which young guys young arms and he he just kept going back to well tyler thornburg was a really good arm a couple years ago we can't count him out so i wouldn't be surprised if thornburg's healthy if if he gets a look out of nowhere um and then as much as red sox fans that um ben and i just talked about this i'm not sure if Feltman's ready yet but uh, i know there's plenty of red sox fans that are ready to see him ben what do you have 
Um, so yeah, like you said, um, the names that uh, we've heard Dombrowski talk about are Brazier, Barnes, Thornburg, and Wright. Um, Barnes and Brazier being the two front runners of the two. Um, I think Thornburg's a very interesting option. I mean, he's uh, he was a quality relief arm uh, with the Brewers, you know, back in 2016. I think he had an ERA just above two, um, uh, a decent FIP and xFIP as well. Um, obviously, we saw him struggle in 2018, but. Um, a lot of that can be attributed to, you know, uh, either rust or not, you know, fully recovering from his injury. And uh, I know they shut him down at the end of the 27 or 2018 season, um, you know, to give him a head start getting ready for this season. So he's a guy I'm definitely excited to see about, um, especially since, uh, you know, Dombrowski has the confidence to uh, put his name up there in the closer um, or to even give him a look um, at being the closer. Uh, if I had to pick a guy right now, um, I feel like I'd rather go with Barnes just because of the consistency he's put up over the past couple of seasons. Um, I think Brazier's, you know, um, he's got to do a little bit more for me to prove um, that uh, he could handle a closer situation. He was great in the playoffs, um, but I think the the ERA in the mid ones was a bit fluky last year. I think uh, I think his FIP and his xFIP were uh, quite a bit higher than that. So. Um, he might be headed towards a little bit of regression. Um, one guy who actually Alex Cora mentioned the other day um, was Colin Brewer, who he said he really liked his stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe if they could do a little bit of work with him, he's he's right up there with Brazier and Barnes. So that that's an interesting name um, among, you know, some of the, the guys that we've acquired this offseason that um, – could compete and i think at this point you know everyone's going to get a look you know there's no defined closer there's no i don't think it's just going to be between brazier and barnes i think everyone's going to get a look and you know if you prove um during spring training that you know you could throw then uh you might get the opportunity during the season yeah i would if i had to pick a guy i would probably go with barnes right now um just because i think brazier has to prove to me um at the beginning of the season that he isn't in some, you know, sophomore slump. Uh, but if we get into the season and Brazier is performing like he did last year, I'm going with Brazier uh, as a closer. A guy that I really hoped would stay um, with the Red Sox and fill that closer role was Joe Kelly. Uh, I really thought his stuff um, played that closer role, but – he left, and you know that's that's still a touchy s- subject for me to talk about it. You know, I still get pretty emotional talking about Kelly's departure. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but right now I think I'd have to go with Barnes. But if Brazier can prove to me that he's going to pitch like he did last season, I'm all for uh, Brazier stepping into that role. How do you guys feel about uh, rehab goes well, everything goes as planned? Gets the call at midseason. How do you guys feel about Carson Smith? <laughs> uh, Oof. Um, I mean, obviously he uh, he didn't uh, leave the Red Sox uh, on the best of terms last season, um, going out with the uh, the glove throwing incident. But um, you know, in the past, he's proven to be a, a pretty a pretty good reliever. I mean. Um, I think what was it back in 2015? I think it was 2015 when he had that really good year with the Mar or the he Mariners. Was elite. He was mm-hmm. elite. 
Yeah, but and uh, he's he's never really had the chance to come back to that. Um, never really gotten the you know the the workload, whether it be due to injuries. Um, but uh, I, it's a toss up at this point. I think you're, everyone's going to have a chance to prove yourself, uh, whether it be in the minors or um, you know if you make the major league. Then. So I think uh, we've got a lot of guys who are going to be competing for that uh, bullpen role. And uh, among that, guys are going to be competing for the closer role. So it's it's kind of all up in the air at this point. And, you know, whoever proves themselves is going to, you know, earn their opportunities in late games. Yeah, I, it would, I hear you there. It would make me feel better if Dombrowski just signed Kimbrell in a one-year deal. I think yes. that's, that, that's, that's the easiest solution to this all is uh, to bring back Kimbrell on a one-year deal. But um, if Carson Smith is like he, that elite Carson Smith, he can be dirty, and I'm totally fine with giving him the closer role if if he's healthy and um, if he's pitching well. But uh, I think this. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You mentioned Joe Kelly and you mentioned Craig Kimbrell, and we talked a little bit earlier about values increasing and decreasing. Do you guys think Kimbrell will make more than Joe Kelly's three-year, twenty-five million dollar deal? Do you think he will get a deal like that on the open market? That's tough. I'm curious. I, I've been sitting here thinking about it. I Googled I, – I used SpotTrack, and I looked up Kelly's contract because I, I knew it was a decent amount, and I'm honestly not sure if Kimber will get more than that. I think he deserves more than that by by far, but at this point, do you, really do you think question. he will make more than Joe Kelly? First of all, I think the Kelly contract was uh, – a big overpay on the Dodgers Absolutely. part. I don't, I don't blame the Red Sox at all for not, you know, trying to compete with that. But um, that is just a wild thought that Joe Kelly would make more money than Craig Kimbrell in this free agent market. And that's, it's, it's a possibility too. I, know. I mean, Kimbrell, you know, started off one in that like five or six year deal. I mean, he's probably gonna have to settle for a three or four year deal. Um, the value that's gonna yeah that's gonna depend on how deep he goes into spring training and you know how many bidders he has and right now it doesn't look like there's too many bidders for him. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's been a weird offseason for sure. Yeah. So the thing I the thing I I'm thinking is if Kimbrel would have signed with the team earlier on in the offseason, I think he would have gotten more money. But that's now true. but now I think it's you know it's a toss up. Uh, it's crazy to think that Kelly would be making more money. Uh, than Kimbrel. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I never even thought about that. All right. So let's get back into our rundown a little bit. Um, uh, we did mention Erod. We all kind of had a consensus, consensus look there as far as a breakout player, uh, to watch for in 2019. Do you guys have anybody else that you're looking for, um, that either is going to take that next step in their development in 2019 can be major league player, can be a minor league player. Uh, and do you also think there could be, that that dark horse that emerges in spring training like Bobby Pointer did last year, like Marcus Walden did last year to make the opening day roster. Do you see any guys like that stepping up and earning a shot at uh, playing for the Sox in Boston this year? So my guy that I'm, I'm – I have two guys. Uh, one that's currently in the majors that's I think is going to have a pretty big season and then a guy in the minors. I'll go with my uh, guy on the team now uh, – I think Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to have a monster year. Uh, he he's working out with JD's um, hitting coach, so uh, I, I expect him to have a big year offensively. 
I know that's pretty optimistic. Uh, and then the comments that he made this past week about uh, him being not as good defensively this past season was like mind blowing. Like the dude is, the dude has to be one of the best defensive. He is the best defensive center fielder uh, in the game, and for him to say like that he wasn't that great this past season is crazy because he had some pretty, pretty crazy plays that he made in center field this past season. Um, but my guy to watch for in the minors that I think is going to have a you know a breakout season is Travis Lakins. I think I was honestly shocked that they didn't bring him up uh, last season at all. Um, Cody, I know you and I have been pretty uh, pretty optimistic about uh, Lakins, and I just think that he will um, have a big impact on the Red Sox this season. What about you guys? Ben, go right ahead. Uh, so on the major league level, I got a couple guys that um, uh, I'm looking at who I think are going to uh, make some improvements in the 2019 season. Um, I agree with you on Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, I think uh, I remember reading something. I forget where it was, but um, it, about him uh, changing up his swing and his uh, mechanics mid-season, uh, something that you know his coaches went on to describe as being really, really difficult to do. Uh, in the middle of an MLB season, and um, he did it, and it showed. You know, his first and second half splits are incredible at the plate. Um, I mean, he went from like a a mid 600s OPS to above 800 in the second half. So, I mean, obviously he improved greatly at the plate with these adjustments, and you know, having a full um, second half and then a full off season with these adjustments under his belt, I think he he's definitely gonna you know show some improvements at the plate. Um, so I agree with you there. Uh, another guy who I'm ready for to uh, have a breakout year is Rafael Devers. Um, he, he was definitely plagued with injuries last year. He he struggled a little bit when he was on the field. But um, I think we go back to seeing the, the Rafael Devers we saw when he first came up. And uh, I, I think he's going to see a huge power surge. Um, and we, we saw it in the playoffs, too, last year. A lot of people don't talk about how good he was in the playoffs. He had some big hits. Um so I, I'm excited to see what he does in the 2019 season. Um, and then just to list off a couple more guys, uh, I think we're going to see uh, more power out of Andrew Benatendi. I don't think he's uh, touched his power potential yet. You know, he came up through the system as, you know, one of the – I think he had um, some of the best power um, to come through the system in a while. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of dropped off in the second half of last season. But I think that power potential is still there. And he, he's a type of guy who could hit 25-plus home runs. Um, and, you know, maybe the, the leadoff slot will help him out with that. Um, and then one last uh, guy in the major league roster is Christian Vasquez. Um, all the catchers struggled last year. I don't think any of them posted a positive war. But um, losing uh, Vasquez for a while um, definitely uh, hurt the team, I think. Um, we saw Sandy go through that slump near the end of the year. But, um yeah, I think Vasquez is going to have a, a big year with the bat this year as well as defensively. Yeah, I think you mentioned a lot of really interesting guys. Uh, I definitely highlighted Ben Attendi as well. I think this is a year, um, you know, it's it's funny to say it with the AL MVP and a guy that could have won the AL MVP uh, in that outfield group. But I really think Andrew Ben can take that next step forward and really push 
Mookie Betts for the best outfielder in uh, Boston. I think Benintendi, if you look back, he was the number one prospect in all of baseball in 2017. You don't get a label like that without having elite traits, and Benny does. He does have, uh, as as you just mentioned, Ben, he, he has that power potential that he has not come close to reaching yet. Uh, obviously, he makes an impact with his glove. He makes an impact uh, on the base paths, and I think that's all uh, something that you know, all works together to make him a very good player. I think he's been above average. He's been an important piece to the Red Sox, but I think this could be the year that he really takes his game a step forward and can definitely put himself in that elite category uh, as far as baseball rankings go. Um, I think if we're looking at depth, I think Zach Putnam will be an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he could be that Marcus Walden guy from last year that makes the opening day roster that people are like, who is this guy that the guy's not been fully healthy since 2014, but the last time he was healthy, he posted a season ERA under two. So um, he's interesting. He's a guy that's battled injuries throughout his entire career, uh, which kind of seems to be a trend that Dombrowski's built in this bullpen of these low risk, high reward guys. Uh, I think he could be one of those guys that makes the opening day roster. Nobody knows who he is. Um, I'm with Gabe. I think Travis Lakins, uh, deserved to be on the roster at the end of last season um really took that huge step forward um you know they started him off in the rotation last year uh and kind of bumped him to the bullpen because he had little to no success and they nailed it i mean the guy absolutely went on a tear um he, there was um i want to say he had a good like 15 16 scoreless inning streak in portland uh just dominated a very difficult league in double a and earned a much much-deserved call-up to Pawtucket and nearly could have made it to Boston last year. Uh, so I think he could make the opening day roster. And Ben also mentioned Colton Brewer. I think uh, I've heard some really good things. The baseball analytics departments really love him. They think there's a lot of things, uh, spin rate, everything like that, that Cora and Bannister, those analytical baseball minds, really love to work with. And I think he's a guy that could end up pushing a guy like Heath Hembry out of the bullpen if he succeeds. So um, those are some guys for me. Um, is there anybody else you had, Gabe? Um, Lakins and Brewer are the guys that I think uh, that could be surprises and uh, make an impact on the um, uh, with the team this year. But other than that, I think you guys touched on everything. Um, you know, I, I really do expect Lakins to have a big season. Uh, and I, I'm really rooting for him. Um, but going into the next topic, uh, predictions for free agents. It seems like we've done this like the past few episodes, Cody, where we're predicting where the free agents land. Seriously. Uh, and honestly, my my answers have probably changed uh, each time. Different, they're different answers. Um, but before we touch on this, I do want to mention this. I thought this was interesting. Um, a little bit ago, I saw on Twitter that uh, Washington D.C. Um, uh, reporter, radio host, uh, reported that he got from a source that Bryce Harper has made his decision and uh, could make his decision within or announce a decision within 24 hours. I don't know if I'm not going to look into it that much, but I I just wanted to mention that. And then the other thing I saw, I literally just saw it when I tried pulling up the Bryce Harper tweet. Um, that Craig Kimbrell was in the Orlando airport this morning uh, where the Atlanta Braves train, uh, and mm-hmm. people people are saying that 
uh, he's close to signing with the Braves. I, I did not see either of these reports until um, now. And that, do you guys are you guys going to look into those much, or are you just going to you know kind of brush it off? We have with every other report that's um, surfaced this off season. Uh, I mean, I've heard about both of them. Uh, the Kimber one, uh, I didn't look too much into uh, just because, you know, there's a, a variety of reasons he could be in Orlando. Um, Orlando's, the, um, the Atlanta Braves uh, Florida facility is a little bit out of the way uh, from the rest of them, and it's the only one that's really near Orlando. But um, I'm not buying too much into that. I think there's uh, there could be plenty of reasons that he's in Orlando. Um, the Bryce Harper one I found interesting. Um, maybe it's just because I'm optimistic. So I just I just want them to sign already because I'm tired of hearing about it. But um, yeah, I, I'm hoping this guy's right. Um, I, I want to see Harper and Machado get off the board as quick as possible, just so that you know we can we can get a better idea um, all the other teams. Because you know w- one of my favorite things to do with MLB is to make predictions and. Um, you know, uh, like preseason predictions on, um, you know, how well teams are going to do. And you can't do that with all these big free agents out there. So I'm ruined for these guys to sign already. I'm actually looking back at some of my free agent predictions that I made. Um, when was this? Way back in November. And I had Harper to the Phillies, Machado to the Yankees, and then Keiko to the Astros. Um, things have obviously changed. Um I'm th- I'm hoping Machado goes to the White Sox. I think that's um, that's if I had to pick a place, I'd say that's where he ends up. And then I think Harper, um, I would stick with my uh, choice from before that Harper goes to the Phillies. Cody, do you are you going to look into either of these reports? Um, I'm with Ben. I think the I I did see the Kimbrel one earlier today. I I don't put a ton of stock into a guy taking a picture of Kimbrel at an airport in Orlando. Um, it's possible there's merit to it, but at the same time, it's everybody's just guessing at this point. So um, I didn't see the Harper one, though, if there is any truth to that. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there's been rumors about Harper since this whole process started that he already knew where he was going, which, you know, you look and it's February. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. So I don't put a ton of stock into either of them. Um, I had four guys that I wrote down that I gave their landing spots. I had Keiko Machado, Harper, Kimbrell. Uh, I think Keuchel ends up in Philly. Um, I know Cincinnati's another player for him, but I think I think Philadelphia is going to be a good team. They're a good young team, uh, and I think Keuchel's a guy that would really pair well with a guy like Aaron Nola out in Philly. So uh, I'd like to see that. I think Manny Machado ends up uh, with the White Sox, as Ben had. Um, I think there's a lot of connections to the White Sox for him personally. I know I think his brother-in-law's there. I think it's Yonder Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um as well as the fact that Chicago's a, got a young core uh, and a ton of, uh, you know, a ton of salary flexibility, so that's not going to hurt them too terribly. Um, I think Harper also ends up in Philadelphia. I think Keiko takes a shorter term deal. Harper takes the big deal, though. I would be intrigued to see him go out to San Francisco. I know there were some rumors there, uh, and then I had Craig Kimbrell going to Atlanta. Um, I think at this point, it's probably the Red Sox or it's going back to Atlanta. As much as I'd love to see him in Boston, the way Dombrowski talked the other day, I just don't see it happening. So, uh, Gabe, where do you have these guys going? All right, so um, I don't. This is ridiculous that you know we. I've done this like three or four times, and 
my 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 answers have changed each and every time. Uh, but I'll start off with Harper. I think he lands in Philly. I think it's it's been a done deal for a while. Um, they're just kind of working out the contract. I think he does get the big deal. If he doesn't sign with Philly, I think he goes to uh, the Giants. As much as as much as that's as that surprised me um, this past couple of weeks when that report surfaced that he was um, had some interest there. Machado, I think he lands with the White Sox. Um, Keuchel. I would have to go with Atlanta at this point. Um, another guy, Mustakis, I think he lands in Philly. Uh, and Kimbrel, I think he. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Philly or Atlanta. So those are the two teams. Um, but who are some other free agents that we're missing out? Because I know there's you know a ton out there that we're um, not mentioning. Um, I know Tony Sip is still out there, which is kind of surprising. I yeah, that is. A lot. Yeah, uh, he and Anavino were my two guys at the beginning of the season that I thought um, the Red Sox could sign, but mm-hmm. I haven't heard any report or saw, saw any pro- report um, linking the Red Sox and SIP. Uh, He's, he was one of the, or even at the beginning, he was one of the better relievers like on the market. Yeah, which is, it's, and it's really surprising how he's still out there. That I mean, he's we have multiple connections to Tony Sip. That's the crazy thing. We have the bullpen coach, and we have Alex Cora. You know, two mm-hmm. Houston Astros connections that it makes way too much sense. And I can't imagine a guy that I think Sip's 36, 37 years old. Yeah, he's up there. He's a lefty specialist to me. And maybe they feel Bobby Pointer's that guy, but I don't know. I'd almost take that veteran over a young guy anytime. However, yeah, no, I'm. I'm as big as a Bobby Pointer guy as anyone, but yeah. I mean, adding another lefty arm, I'm not going to complain about. Seriously, I think ask, banking on Brian Johnson to be a consistent reliever is a lot. I mean, he's a guy that's consistently been a depth starter throughout his career, uh, was one of those good college guys that never really seemed to translate to the pro game. I think his, his velocity is probably a big contributor. And, you know, it's just hard in today's game to be an elite arm at 88 to 90 miles an hour it just doesn't really play in today's game the whole launch angle era you know it's just it's totally different so expecting a guy that's been a starter his whole life to be an important role out of the bullpen uh is interesting so i i would definitely not be opposed to adding a guy like tony sip all right so a couple guys i want to just get your guys's uh knee jerk predictions on real quick um marwin gonzalez where does he land that's the name i just thought of um <laughs> honestly you just throw throw a dart at a map i mean he he can fit anywhere honestly. yeah that's that's true um cody what about you where does margaret land oh man i don't know um i'll go with an al west team i think he might end up with a team like seattle uh giving up cano Maybe try to fill that utility middle infield role with a guy like Marwin. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's all just guessing at this point. Uh, what are, what are some other? Um, Gio Gonzalez. He's still in the market. Mm-hmm. That's just like I'm going through this list, and any other year without Harper and Machado, these guys would be like. It's just ridiculous that these guys are still in the market. Adam Jones is still a free agent. Oh, um, how about I don't know, how about Miami taking Gio Gonzalez? I like that. That 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 would make sense. I mean, there's uh, a couple teams still out there looking for you know starters. Uh, yeah. You got the Brewers. Um, 
the Athletics, I, the Angels. Those are just a few off the top of my head. The Reds. Yep. I mean, there, there's a couple of landing spots for them. Uh, I, I feel like the Reds would be a good fit, honestly, I, if I they're agree. trying to compete this year. I have to say, I love the Reds trading for Sonny Gray. Uh, I was a big Sonny Gray fan before the Yankees traded for him. Me then too. kind of twisted my arm to dislike him and i ended up liking him because we shelled it but um i think he is a small market guy he was very good in oakland and i think he's going to be a guy that is going to resurrect his career out in cincinnati so i think if they can get another guy or two like that obviously they have some pretty solid prospects and they've been really aggressive you know there's been Corey kluber rumors there's been dallas keiko rumors as you guys just mentioned Gio gonzalez would be a good fit uh, since he's an interesting team, and I'm not just saying that because John Farrell's over there, but uh, I'm curious. I'm curious for sure. Yeah, if we could spend all day going through this free agent list and uh, trying to predict where they're at, but they're going to go, but it's really just guessing at this point because no one knows. Um, but the last and uh, the next and final uh, segment of this episode is the Q and A um, part. So. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with this, uh, you can submit a question. You can DM Cody or myself, uh, tweet at us. Any question that you want answered, we'll answer it and give you a shout-out on the show. Um, I have two questions um, we can answer first, uh, and then Ben can give the ones he received from his uh, Instagram account. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first question I have um, that was asked was by... Uh, at J Shramek, Shramek, J S H R A M E K, bro from Below is his name. So uh, he asked, any chance Feltman makes a roster? Uh, Cody, you can answer this one first. Um, goodness, there's always a chance. Um, I would go probably less than 25% chance that he makes the roster. As much as I'd love to see it, uh, I love hard throwing prospects. I think you give him more time. There's as much time as he needs in the minors. Yeah, I would have to go with you. What about you, Ben? Uh, I agree. I'd probably put it at a lower chance than you did. Um, I don't. I don't see him piggybacking all these um, minor league relief guys that we uh, we made signings to, whether it be uh, Putnam, Ramirez, uh, Mejia. You know, all these guys that we gave minor league contracts to. I can't see him piggyback or uh, jumping over all of them. Um, but I, I'm definitely optimistic for his future, and I think maybe. Uh, Possibly uh, a September call up, or maybe a uh, maybe uh, the 2020 season, but I just don't think he's quite ready. All right, next question uh, comes in from Matt Smith at T the Real Matt Money. Um, the is only spelled T H. Um, he asked, "Who will be the Sox closer by the start of the postseason?" Uh, I'll answer that real quick. I will go with Ryan Brazier. I know I said Barnes early on in the show, but I think by the end of the season, Brazier's the closer. Shout out to Matty Smith. That is my college baseball teammate. Love that kid. <laughs> uh, I saw I saw he's from Bangor, Maine, and I, I figured I figured that uh, he would um, you would have known him. So one of my favorite uh, college yeah. baseball teammates for sure. Um, good luck this season. However, I will also go with Ryan Brazier. All right. Um, as far as playoff closers, how about Nathan Eovaldi? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, love using him as a starter in the season, throwing the bullpen. I mean, that that Seriously. I remember I wrote a, wrote an article about that going into uh, 
this year's postseason about, you know, throwing uh, Nathan Nivaldi in the bullpen and how, you know, electric his stuff would be out of the pen. And um, uh, though they, they didn't uh, do that right away, um, they definitely utilized some of their starters, including Nivaldi in the pen. But, um, you know, if no one really steps up during the season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nivaldi go to the closer role. Completely agree. I like that. So, Ben, uh, moving on to your questions, I know you probably have a lot of these, so we can uh, knock these out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple good ones. Um, one that I really like, this is from uh, Tuttle 50 on Instagram. Um, he asks, is Bobby Pointer a fit for the bullpen? Um, I'll take this one uh, first. Uh, I, I think he's definitely a fit for the bullpen. The, the only question is, does Cora and Dombrowski think he's a fit for the bullpen? Um, and to that, I'm still unsure. Um, I was a big advocate for him uh, making the postseason roster, um, which he obviously uh, didn't get the opportunity to. Um, I loved him uh, going into the season, making the 25-man roster, and uh, you know I was constantly calling for him to be um, called back up to the majors and inserted into the bullpen as a lefty specialist. But um, I think he's definitely a fit. I think he's got a future with the bullpen, but you know, there's a lot of competition, so he's gonna have to earn it. And even though I thought he earned it last year, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in here next. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, listeners can go back and listen to my uh, pre postseason roster thoughts on Bobby Pointer. I was a big advocate for him over uh, Drew Pomeranz. I watched him in person at Fenway. Uh, I watched him on TV TV throw against a team like the Houston Astros in September. I thought the dude did everything in his power to prove that he belonged on that roster. Instead, we got Drew Pomeranz. Uh, so <laughs> I think Bobby Pointer definitely uh, at this at the current roster state is probably that left-handed arm, especially with Robbie Scott leaving. Uh, and honestly, I think Bobby Pointer is better than Johnson. I think the only reason Johnson would make the roster over Pointer is just the whole options thing and not wanting yeah. to expose Johnson the waivers. So, uh, Gabe, what do you think? You guys about, uh, you know, said everything that I was going to cover. Um, like you both said, Pointer last season should have made the postseason roster over Pomeranz, which is still, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. Um, but Pointer could be that lefty arm that we could use in the bullpen. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he deserved it last season, and uh, I think he will – he will get after this season and deserve it again. So um, what do you got next, Ben? All right. Uh, I had a lot of questions uh, directed towards uh, the second baseman position and uh, Dustin Pedroia. So I'll pick this one. Uh, it is from the, the underscore Skunzenator. Uh, he said, how valuable is Pedroia going into the 2019 season? Uh, when do you guys can take this? Go ahead, Gabe. Uh, I think... A lot of the Red Sox, Red Sox players are expecting a big season from Pedroia, and I think they're all um, pumped about him coming back. I know we touched on it earlier on in the podcast. Uh, Pedroia, if we could get a hundred, a little over a hundred um, games from him, that would be ideal. And um, Brocco or Nunez would step into that role. But uh, I think, I think he's pretty valuable, um, honestly. But then again, you can't you can't too, put too much pressure on the guy because he's uh, been hurt for like the past you know however long. So um, you really don't know what you're gonna expect. But um, from the looks of it so far, I think Pedroia is gonna be uh, a big key to this team. Yeah, I think 
all you had to see really is when the Red Sox let Ian Kinsler go so easily. Um, honestly, there was never any rumors that I heard of any ongoing no- negotiations with Kinsler. I think that right there tells you that the Red Sox are committed to Dustin Pedroia in some capacity in 2019. Um, and I think even if he gives you 100 to 125 games, which I think I still honestly think 125 games is probably optimistic for Pedroia. I think his his mere presence in the dugout will be something similar to Julian Edelman to the Patriots, like I mentioned earlier in the pod. I think he brings that fiery leadership role. Uh, I think the players look up to him. You know, there's the stories of him working out in the World Series uniform a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you read through any of the spring training narratives, the, the Sox players are fired up about it, and they absolutely love Petey. So I think him just being there uh, will be an impact on the Sox. And I think as a player, uh, I love Holt. I think he's just a utility player, though. Uh, Nunez is a average to below average defensive second baseman, so it'll be nice to have Pedroia back to kind of solidify that whole uh, defensive aspect to the game. And obviously, anytime he's in the lineup, you just never cannot Pedroia. So... Uh, ben, what do you have? Um, I, I definitely agree with uh, what you guys are saying. Um, uh, I believe he spoke with the media earlier today, and um, you know he addressed some of the questions uh, as far as you know uh, his knee surgery and um, you know how uh, what to expect from him from the twenty or in the twenty nineteen season. Um, I believe he went on record saying that. Uh, you know, he he's going to be more careful with his body, or at least he intends to at this point. Um, as far as like you know, going all out on uh, you know ground balls and like diving up the middle and stuff, he's going to try and keep that to a minimum because he knows um, his value is when he's on the field, and when he does that kind of stuff, you know, he's not going to be able to stay on the field for that long. So uh, I think that's an important mindset for him. Um, I still think he's going to be incredibly aggressive because that's just the kind of person he is, and that's the way he plays the game. Um, but I think, you know, maybe him taking some extra steps to, uh, take care of his body will obviously help him out through the season. And, um, you know, one thing I'm wondering right now is, do you think Dustin Pedroia right now is currently more valuable than Ian Kinsler would be? I would say yes. I would say yes too. Because they're, they're both very capable defenders. Um, the, the bats are a question mark on both sides. Um, I feel like at this point I might give Kinsler the edge with the glove just because of the knee with Pedroia, but um, we'll really have to see what Pedroia does with the bat. Um, I know he uh, he was taking uh, batting practice uh, it was either today or yesterday. He hit, he hit one off the, the wall or the, the mini green monster at JetBlue, and he was absolutely pumped. Um, he was yelling at the crowd, and Brock Holt was hyping everyone up. So, you know, that's something you love to see, obviously. So I'm just I'm excited to see what he does with the plate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's what else you got, Ben? Um, yeah, a lot of these questions had to do with uh, second baseman of the bullpen, so I'm going to throw my own little question in there. Um, in honor of Zhu Weyland's birthday, um, how do you guys think? Um, what do you, what role do you guys think he's going to fill in the 2019 season? I think he'll be. Do you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, yeah I think he'll be. Uh, he's a he's very similar to Brock Holt to me. I, I like Lynn a lot. Uh, gets on base, uh, is able to do a lot of good things that um, I think if a guy like Nunez was to get hurt, which seems inevitable after seeing the dude, you know, end up walking around the bases like a war hero in the World oh, Series. Oh, God. <laughs> um, 
So I think he's a guy that's very capable of filling in a role like that. Uh, seems to be liked uh, in the clubhouse. I think, Ben, was it you that posted something about JBJ uh, wishing Zhu Weilin uh, mm-hmm, a happy yeah, birthday? <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's, he's a guy that's a utility player. Um, definitely deserves to be on the Major League roster, but uh, definitely with one of those starting guys gets hurt, he'll be up in Boston, no doubt. Gabe, what do you got? Uh, I would have to echo what you said. Um, the tsunami is uh, quite quite the player. I'm I'm a big fan of Zuelin and uh, Ben. You you are one of the biggest uh, Lin fans that I've I've seen, <laughs> and uh, it's it's awesome to see uh, that kind of support for him. But I do think that Brock Cole and Zuelin are are similar, and uh, Lin will have a bigger role in the team. Um, this year than he did last year, I believe, but um, I still think Holt and uh, him are pretty similar. Yeah, I, I definitely go out on the limb and say I'm one of, if not uh, the biggest Zoe Lin fans out there. Um, I've actually got my jersey in uh, my bag right next to me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, for those of you guys that don't know, I'm, Zoe Lin's currently my favorite player in the Red Sox. I love the dude. Um, he... Uh, he he doesn't have much of an opportunity with this team, which is really sad because um, we've seen bursts of greatness from him, whether it be in April uh, this year when uh, that that three game stretch against the the Orioles where he was just mashing, or whether it was in September this year when he, you know, he, he just he almost earned himself a, a spot on the playoff roster, and um, you know, um, even in the playoffs, you know, when uh, Mitch Moreland suffered that injury, they were questioning whether or not they're going to take him off the roster, you know. The uh, core is going on the record saying, you know, we got Zoo Will in, uh, ready to ready to come up and fill in if needed. So I mean, he he's earned, you know, he's earned his major league opportunities. I think if he's with another organization, he's already starting and uh, you know, playing some good baseball. But um, I agree, he's definitely a similar player to Brock Holt. Um, he's a guy that could play anywhere uh, on the field basically, and. Um, not a lot of power, but he he's a good average guy. He gets on base uh, at a decent rate, and um, you know I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, play in spring training and hopefully proving himself. And I, I find the chances slim that he earns a spot on the major league roster, but I'm I'm holding out and I'm I got my fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just a little uh, side question I want to ask to Cody. I know that Zuelen's your favorite player. On the Red Sox, uh, Ben, who's who? Who do you got? Who's your favorite, Cody? I'll try to think outside the box and not go with the traditional J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, you know, any of those guys. Um, I'm a big Rafael Devers fan. Um, I loved him ever since he first came up. Uh, I felt like he was much must-watch television when he first got called up as this kid that made the jump straight up, pretty much from Double A. Um, you know, I was jumping off my couch when he went yard off Verlander in the postseason. Um, he had that huge hit um, in the World Series as well uh, mm-hmm. in L.A. Um, I think the parallels to Adrian Beltre are a little bit extreme just because Beltre is a guy that's going to end up in Cooperstown. But you look at the two of them and you go, if if he's able to keep his weight down and if he's able to continue to work defensively um, and just really hone in on that uh, 
approach at the plate. I feel like he's a guy that gets a little over anxious sometimes, which I mean, the kid's 21, 22 years old. That's expected. But if he's able to lock in as a major league ball player, he's going to be elite. He really is that good. So uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd go as far to say he's my favorite player, but he's easily my favorite player to watch on the field. And he definitely looked a bit slimmer coming in the spring training. Yeah, he did. I'll give him that. I mean, and defensively, he made, he, made such big strides just going from the regular season to the postseason to me personally mm-hmm. i thought he looked great um so I- i'd go with devers gabe what do you have uvaldi i think yeah, he's I he's he <laughs> stole my heart uh in that um game three uh marathon game uh, in the world series when he was just giving it literally everything he had and when he came off the field uh and his teammates, you know, patting his back. Like, that image will forever be burned into my mind, and uh, I'll always remember that. And that still, you know, upsets me. Like, that dude went out there and gave it literally everything he had and uh, couldn't get the job done at the end of the day. Uh, And he pitched. I still think that's got to be one of the best postseason single-game performances ever uh in red sox history uh that was just insane i mean but, that's like yeah. straight out of a movie i mean you're yeah that, better than that yeah, I, nate nate's nate's my guy i was so shaken up the next morning i not only was i exhausted obviously but i woke up i was so mad that <laughs> yavaldi went like on fumes was out there throwing 99 to 100 miles an hour and of course muncie got him but oh, i was a great so yeah, he is and obviously with that, that team had so many power-hitting guys that you knew Bellinger, Jock Peterson, any of those guys were going to get him eventually. Um, you know, At that point, everyone was trying to go deep. Exactly. On both sides of the field. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I was so irritated waking up that morning just thinking, <laughs> gosh, that dude just literally gave everything he had in the tank and we freaking lost. So uh, okay, quick, I'll never quick forget pull. Kinsler in that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even bring that up. Uh, <laughs> quick, quick poll for you guys. Uh, what's how long did you guys sleep that night? I'll go first. I, I got I got a solid two hours of sleep that night. Like I was so mad and irritated, I couldn't sleep. I literally could not sleep, uh, and I was up until you know, however long, and it, it was just ridiculous. I got two hours of sleep, was exhausted the next day. Um, I got more sleep that night than I did the night we won the World Series. I walked into work the <laughs> next morning, like, with coffee in hand because I just couldn't sleep. Like, my fiancé was making fun of me because she's like, why are you so tired? And I'm like, I couldn't sleep. I was so freaking pumped that I just could not sleep. And <laughs> so I would say I got more sleep that night, but definitely a frustrating way to go to bed that night. Mm-hmm. Ben, uh, what about you? I would say I was up at least till five or six in the morning, just on Instagram <laughs> talking to people and just. Yep. I was so upset, but at the same time, I was. It was relieving at that point, honestly. Um, I I think uh, Brock Holt did an interview where he, he even said that you know they were just, they're like just just end the game, we'll get you tomorrow, <laughs> something like that. He said a quote, uh, to, something like that, but um. It was definitely a frustrating loss. I'd say I probably got like three or four hours of sleep that night. Yeah, that was nuts. And then, like, the part that I just remembered that, you know, shakes me up a little bit even, you know, even a little bit more was Porcello, like, tearing up talking about uh, Nate's performance in that game. Like, that was 
it was just emotional. Like that was, although we lost, I think that was the turning point in the series. That's got to be a thirty for thirty someday. <laughs> oh, it, it's got to be. Um, so Ben, do you have any other questions or? Uh, well, that uh, that's all I got. All right, um, that'll that'll do it for this uh, episode. Um, be sure to follow Ben on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, why underscore not underscore discuss? Uh, did I get that right, Ben? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, stay stay tuned. Um, stay tuned for more episodes of spring training. I don't know what the schedule will look like. Uh, I I do want to get in a podcast as soon as uh, most of the free agents sign. Uh, if that's in, you know, however long, uh, who knows, but, um, just stay tuned. Uh, thanks for listening guys. And, uh, thanks Ben for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening guys.